Have you ever heard about the concept of lived-in bodies? It's something that I have recently come across and uh, lectures I've heard and people I've talked to. It's one of the amazing things about networking is just the information that you learn. It's really about body acceptance of where you are currently. It doesn't mean that you're not trying to do something to change it for the better and more healthy way, but understanding where you're at currently, right now, at this moment, with your body. Today's guest is Christy Weggert, and Christy and I discuss that concept of lived-in bodies, and bodies come in all shapes and sizes, and how we look at those bodies, and, and how pop culture shapes the way people judge bodies. It's a very insightful, interesting conversation, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy um, the time that Christy and I had talking to each other. So, without further ado, please welcome Christy Weggard. Fantastic. Fantastic. Just starting the recording here. So, thanks for taking my call and for being on the show. I really appreciate it. No problem. So, tell me, I was reading up on you on LinkedIn and about my workout buddy. And it sounds like a very interesting idea, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I My workout buddy is a private personal training studio where I train people one-on-one -on -one who are a little more gym shy. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, people who might not want to be in a gym because they maybe they're germaphobes or they feel like people are looking at them or whatever the case may be. Um, and I teach them, you know, the same thing any trainer does just in a private setting where we feel it's more of a non-judgmental safe space. So where did this idea come from, uh, for this gym? Um, honestly, I, I have to credit my mother. She was my first personal trainer and she owned a studio in the nineties called Good Bodies. Mm -hmm. And, um. You know, she taught me a lot of this, uh, you know, weightlifting and her trainers over the years coached me. But the privacy piece was also my mother um, because she does very much enjoy her privacy. And uh, I don't know, I just I kind of took that idea and went with it. Um, they sort of married together nicely and a lot of people seem to appreciate it. So back in the 90s, what was the was what was the environment like for you getting into fitness or was your mom doing that with you what was that feeling like during that time uh well uh, I've always been in a larger body so as um, a bigger person learning how to lift weights um you know it it does it doesn't come easy uh you know people don't realize that we have to move slower when we're bigger and um you know, there's there's a lot of hurdles to overcome when you're say 200, 250 pounds or more. Mm -hmm. um, but I I still learned everything they had to teach, and it was during that big fat free craze. So everybody was trying to yeah. get me involved, with 1,500 calories a day and 10 grams of fat and all this crazy stuff. And um, you know, it worked, but only until I stopped. <laughs> yeah, until you stopped. You're right. <laughs> So how do you see kind of the current culture of, I mean, you talked a little bit about, you know, fat-free craze and all that. How do you see how things are going today with diet, nutrition, exercise? What are your thoughts on all that? Well, uh, I mean, first of all, I do train people who are in recovery from eating disorders. So I very much use the health at every size modeling um, although not a whole lot of personal trainers really know what that is. And it's kind of a body positivity movement mm -hmm. where we don't so much use metrics or weigh people or talk about diets. Um, we're looking to see people get stronger. And the number I want to see is, you know, how many more reps can you do on that bar? And, um, you know, we leave the weight to kind of even itself out. I like to encourage people to eat more plants. Um, mm -hmm. And I try not to take away anything that they love. You know, I feel like everything fits, um, but in moderation, of course. But I can't prescribe diets. I can gu give guidance. Of course. Food hacks. 
but uh, I, I have registered dietitians I send people to if they really need a plan. Um, the culture in the fitness community at large is a little scary to me because there are so many things that are just flying in the face of real research. Um, <laughs> I mean, just things like that are putting so much stress on the heart and so dangerous. And I'm, I'm frightened for how harmed people are going to be clogging their arteries. <laughs> so like what? Give me some specific examples of current cultural things that you're, you're worried about. Um, well, without calling like anyone human out, but I do <laughs> feel sometimes like uh, some of the very high protein or very high fat is, is kind of going to stress people's bodies out. I mean, I don't think there's any like magic macro number for fats, protein, and carbs. But I think that when people take away all of these things that are good for our bodies, that are proven to be good for us, mm -hmm. um, it's a danger. You know, we're getting yeah. rid of fiber. We're getting rid of antioxidants and vitamins that we need in favor of high saturated fats. And that just, it doesn't make any sense to me. And we're, we're seeing an uptick in heart problems because of it. So. Why do you think people are moving towards these things? What is the maybe the the human element? What is pulling people towards these things? They're getting skinnier. You know, um, it makes them a smaller person. You know, and so they we are visual we're visual creatures. Humans are. Mm -hmm. You can't help that. You look in the mirror and you see the results, but you don't see what's going on on the inside. You can't possibly look under the hood, you know, all you know is you look good in your jeans. Human <laughs> right. We have no idea what it's doing to the interior. And that's the scary part is people are running around looking great, but they, and they probably feel good. It's just that the long-term side effects of this kind of movement is, it's very frightening. <laughs> How do you think that's being played into with the uh, the technology. I mean, I talk about this a lot on my podcast, but I'd like to get everybody's, you know, views on it. I'm kind of collecting information on from my colleagues how they feel technology has impacted what you just said about why people are moving towards these things. Maybe you could speak a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so I I am on Instagram. I'm on the gram, and. Mm -hmm. um, I see a lot of that uh, because I am on, you know, a lot of the feeds that are eating disorder related and some of it's still kind of in that camp of pro Anna and pro Mia, which is anorexia and bulimia. Mm. That's the FF. And these people, a lot of the times what's happening is they're seeing imagery, people who are dressed to the nines, they think it looks awesome. They get all this encouragement from other people. So it's very materialistic. Um, and it, you know, social media and technology is just driving this up because it's this competitive thing that's happening to people now where they feel like they have to one up the, the girl in the hot dress. Well, now I mm -hmm. have to look at the dress too, which means less calories, less carbs, you know, and basically people are starting to starve themselves. So... Where do you think it's headed, though? I mean, do you think there's going to be an exhaustion of social media with people? Or is that going to be a continuing thing in the life of businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs? What do you think? Um, I mean, I'm certainly on the wagon, although I'm not posting anything at the moment. I needed a little media break because it can be triggering for everybody. Even the most aware individuals can be affected by this stuff. But um, I think, unfortunately, it's just getting worse. Um, when yeah. you hear, you know, some of my clients who might be in their 70s and they're, they're talking about what so-and-so said on Facebook. And I know, weird, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, wait a minute, that friend lives a block from you. Why didn't you walk outside and go <laughs> knock on the door and take a walk with your friend? Why are you talking to her on Facebook? <laughs> It seems like it's getting worse. And it's because this thing right here, my phone that I'm talking into, you can take this stuff everywhere you go. It's true. It doesn't leave you. Yeah. It's totally I mean, true. I, 
It's uh, I actually was reading something. I was watching this show on Hulu, and it's uh, it's a pretty good show. It's basically a New York Times uh, show. It's it's all these different little pieces, like twenty six minute investigative journalist pieces. It's really good, and one of them was about uh, like it was more of like about how like people scam each other on Facebook, like with like fake profiles and things of that nature, mm-hmm. and. And how like a big one of the biggest growing populations of people using Facebook are people who are actually considered senior citizens or elderly populations for that, which I found that fascinating. But I also kind of get it, too, with people, especially as you know, you don't have to be a senior citizen, but just as people age and they feel more lonely and they feel they need some level of connection, it pulls them into that supposed connection in their life. And you would think people at that age, like, okay, you, you've been around way before this stuff existed. Why don't you just go and talk to the person? You know, it's like eroding their skills and ability to do the thing that they grew up knowing how to do. And we do crave the connection. It, it enhances our lives. It's one of those facets in life that we have to have. And when we age, it's so much more important too, because depression can set in. Um, I've noticed that if I can give somebody in person right in front of me, eye contact, I relax a little. It's like a, it's like, mm-hmm. a what is it called? Uh, oxytocin. Mm-hmm. I think there's a release of that when you can really give someone eye contact and be present and feel their warmth and truly be there. And you don't like what we're doing right now. It's like, hi, but you know, if I was yeah. right in front of you, it'd be like a real dude and not like a half of a head. <laughs> real- <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's 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 funny. I uh, I normally do the. I have been doing these just like um, without the video aspect of it. I mean, I don't post the video. I just do the audio because most people, when they're listening to stuff, they can't look at the video while they're driving and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people listen to podcasts while they're driving or working out or something like that. But I do enjoy now recently doing these things via video because I could see like your facial expression. And things of that nature, um, and it just it does increase the nuance of the conversation a little bit on there sure. uh, with that. So I noticed you said you're you're working with. I saw you're working with people on addictions as well. Yes. So tell me a little bit about that population. Why you got involved in that? Well, um, I am in my. I'm in recovery myself. I um, do not drink. And I used to be a little bit of a stoner girl. And uh, you know, those kind of experiences don't make you a professional at these things. You know, just because you went to the doctor doesn't mean you are one. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but I, I, my experience made me realize that I could bring to the table understanding and equality that would be friendly and non-judgmental, even if the person is still in a place where they're using and they're engaging in harm reduction. Uh, I knew I could be an empathetic entity for them and to take them through healthier behaviors and hopefully give them, instill in them some um, hobbies that would make them feel better about themselves, feel stronger. Maybe eventually it's their go-to instead of using. Yeah. So, uh, you know, exercise sometimes is the next, the next big dopamine hit until, you know, it they is. can, <laughs> yeah. you know, you kind of have to skip out of the harder behaviors and find some, something to do with your time. You end up with a lot of extra time when you're no longer using. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I think sometimes people, um, now we're getting into the age, especially with, well, I would say, especially people who are in the, in the business of exercise or who love exercise, they go, well, well, now I've traded in this one thing for exercise. And so they become obsessed with exercise or um, orthorexia, you know, this kind of obsession with healthy living. They think, well, it's healthy. Like it's, you know, but there's many things you can overdo that are not substances, you know, for that. And actually, I've known many people actually in the business who've, um, they're addicted to exercise completely. It is taken over their life. I love to say that the fitness industry has an eating disorder. (laughs) (laughs) Explain that. Explain that. 
Well, I mean, I do hear a few horror stories about um, the way some some personal trainers might come off and try to put people on diets and everything's about how many calories they burn and, you know, how many hours did they spend on the treadmill? And then they went off and oh, they had a post-workout smoothie and a salad. And that was their whole, this is their story. This is their life. And they're not going to go out with their friends and have a steak because that would mean they'd have to eat things that were not on the plan. Mm-hmm. And they're too rigid. I mean, it's the relationship around the behaviors that's the problem, not the behaviors. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you can yeah. be that guy and still go and have vacation on a cruise and have a good time and some cheesecake to go with it, then you're fine. But like, if you just are going to fall to pieces because you have to go on a cruise and they're going to make you eat dessert. You got, or, or you have to get on a treadmill for three hours to make up for it. Then there's a whack-a-mole effect going on. You quit the alcohol and the exercise went up. The exercise went away. And now you can, now you can starve yourself and boom, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. That's why addiction and eating disorders kind of dovetail. Because usually when one has been taken care of, the other one, it's a maladaptive behavior. It's right. maladaptive behaviors just comfort us so that we feel better in life. So we have some crutch that puts us on autopilot for a minute, drops us out of our head and allows us to feel good in the world. Like there's no shame in it. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't work forever. <laughs> it hurts right. us. Eventually. Right. You know, it's so funny. I, I definitely have seen that behavior pattern with people where, um, you know, they don't want to go out and hang out with people um, because it's, it's scary to, they're like, well, I'm going to have to eat things I don't want to eat type of thing. You know, you start adjusting your lifestyle around your uh, approach to food in a very rigid way. Uh, And I was just at a conference in Las Vegas, which, and one of the presentations was literally about what you just said. Um, and today's approach to eating and, and the whole like orthorexic lifestyle that people are having addiction to exercise. I think it's hard for people to understand, like you can be addicted to exercise and healthy eating in a weird way, like, and that it's not, you want to be healthy, but it's unhealthy (laughs) in a similar fashion with that, which almost seems this weird, um, vortex you're entering into, you know? It can be. And it, it really, it's, it's the person who's, I would say it's the user because they're using mm-hmm. the substance of healthy behaviors, right? It's mm-hmm. just another addiction. Um, you get high on the compliments people give you because you've mm-hmm. lost some weight and you're leaning out. Um, you know, you can bulk and cut, you know how to play with these games a little bit, but eventually yeah. you're really stuck on this cycle. And, um, it becomes all that you are. You obsess over it. Yeah. And that's, that's the danger. If somebody can do it and walk away, um, I've seen some people who are posing on stage and sometimes they're really into their diet. And then when they're not and they're bulking, they're having a blast. But it really yeah. sort of looks a lot like the binging and purging that happens in the eating disorder world. Hmm. It's hard. It's hard to separate that out when you, there's a human attached to it, and we love our behaviors. <laughs> Do you ever think, in your opinion, that people can have a healthy relationship with all these things? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> someone asked me the other day something like, "What did I think the anxiety rate was in the United States?" And I quoted some wild number, like sixty-five percent. I was talking to a, a therapist. Mm-hmm. And she said, she leaned over and grabbed my wrist and said, Christy, you need to hang out with some normal people occasionally. It's more like- <laughs> <laughs> so my opinion is a little skewed. I sometimes see behaviors where they don't exist. Um, I'm not like judging, but, you know, I feel like, you know, there's no such thing as a healthy heroin addiction. But <laughs> No, no, I would However, say not. No, but there's harm reduction in every thing you can think of and that's one of them too uh you wouldn't think so but there is a way to step that down um but yeah i mean well you're training for a marathon right how do you not do a long run once a week to do that you have to or you're not you're going to injure yourself running 26 miles you know yeah so 
for the extreme type sports, that kind of thing, I think that those people can be very healthy and some of them, whoa, no, but the percentages are low. Um, some people, I'd say most people don't do diet culture very well because you see this, they diet, they diet, they lose this weight and then they, they stop. And like when I did the fat free thing in the nineties, it just yeah. all came back and more. I lost like 80 pounds and then I gained all of it back and more. And it took right. a long time before I decided to change it again. Um, it, it just, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm sorry. There's some, I'm answering no, it's okay. Exactly, <laughs> but... <laughs> it's okay. It's your answer. I think it's, um, well, I'm, I'm interested with the whole weight loss thing. Cause you know, when I was at this conference and I mean, I've been in the business a long time, but I haven't had a real focus on weight loss or anything. I mean, I rarely ever work with people who are interested in weight loss, which I think is interesting because there's a lot of people very interested in weight loss. Yeah. And um, there's so much information now, a lot of new data to saying that, you know, people who lose these tremendous, um, lose this tremendous amount of weight that within five years, they're, it's almost a certainty that they're going to gain it back. And it's almost a certain, this is the re I'm, I'm not saying this, I'm just saying the research that I've seen and that was presented is that it's almost as certain that uh, smoking cigarettes um, is a gateway to cancer type of thing, you know? So essentially, like, why are we focusing on weight loss with so many people? And wh why do people focus on weight loss, in your opinion? Uh, I'm going to go back and say, when I know this sounds like a very stock answer, but I'll, I'll explain why. I do think it has a lot to do with advertising, marketing, media, branding. Um, when you see a runway model who has no hips and no curves and she's being sent down the runway to look like a 35-year-old woman and she's been made up to look this way and she's 12, that's yeah. called the reality gap or the beauty gap. I can't remember which, mm. but that happens all the time in the fashion industry. So our ideals are basically of a prepubescent girl for women. I don't know about men. I think men like to be muscular and ultra lean and women just want to be as flat as a pancake skinny. And it is such, it, it is, it does us down, you know, because we're supposed to have curves. There are many different mm -hmm. shapes and we can be healthy at any size, you know, everybody has an opportunity to get stronger, improve their heart health lower their risk of type 2 diabetes and be a healthy person in the world without you don't even have to lose weight to make that happen so i've right. seen it again i've seen a lot of people get healthy and they may not lose that much weight and that's okay um of course yeah it's it's a it's pretty incredible but i really do think it's the media messing with our heads here's a great example when you watch like a youtube video and you see um somebody trying to demonstrate an exercise and what you see in the, the video is a woman in the capri pants that are skin tight, a jog bra and her abdomen is showing. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this woman is a 200 pound woman? No, she's somebody who's so impossibly thin. You could see the top of her pubis symphysis that almost mm -hmm. like the eight pack. Right? right. I mean, it's crazy to me that somebody is showing that much of the bottom half of their hips. <laughs> you know right like in person <laughs> like or on a video for the public to look at and it makes other people in the world think they can't exercise like just those images make all of us feel so inferior when anybody could do a bicep curl <laughs> right yeah so i've often wondered about that you know like i you know, I, I am someone like I, I look at myself. I mean, you can't really. I mean, I'm wearing this big jacket. I mean, I'm in like my garage in this separate room, so that's why it looks like I'm cold here. Out <laughs> here, whole thing. But, oh, got it. You know, I was like, wow, aren't you inside? You don't have the heat on or something? I'm like, no, it's in the garage. Actually, <laughs> it's just quieter out here. And um, you know, I think somebody like they look at me. I'm I'm a very thin looking person. Um, I've always had a very thin body, you know, thin, right. wiry, muscular. Um, and, but I've also, also never been someone who's like, I want to go to a gym and like wear as little as possible. And yeah. I don't see myself like, I'm not, I'm not trying to like show off my body when I'm at a gym, yeah. I'm just working, you know, like, but then I see sometimes at a gym where like, 
people come in, and I will say it's mainly women that I've seen that are wearing like the, the very tiny sports bra, the yoga pants, and it, it feels very uh, sexualized to me in a sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a prude or anything. I'm just saying like I wonder what is that behavior, like full makeup, the whole deal, you know? I don't understand uh, it. Lonely. I would say that sometimes the most beautiful women are the loneliest, you know, yeah. I think they're lonely and they want somebody to notice them and they want to feel beautiful and they don't know how else to feel beautiful, you know? Um, but there is a piece about modesty that's really important to a lot of people. Um, you know, I, and you sound like that too. Like you are fit and you're healthy and you're lean, but you're not going around going, look at these guns. No, <laughs> no, I just, I don't feel comfortable showing off my body in a gym or wearing like as little as possible. Or even if I do have on like, you know, like a full, like a tank top, it's more just cause I'm hot. It's not that I'm yeah. like, I just, it's just like, oh, it's so hot. It might be a day where it's just really hot and, and the, the heat is on for some weird reason in the gym. I'm like, oh, it's too hot here. You know, I got to take off my other shirt, put a tank top on, but I don't, um, I don't know. I just never been like that. You know, like I'm not trying to make sure other people see me, <laughs> you yeah. know? Well, we're not there to be on a fashion show parade. We're, we're trying yeah. to work out, you know? Yeah. I, I know in my in my fittest body i'm in a baggy t-shirt sweatpants and i'm so focused on what i'm doing i'm giving myself eye contact in the mirror and i'm not talking mm -hmm. to people during my yeah. one minute rest between steps i'm marching i'm doing hip circles you know yeah. i don't want to i don't want to engage i'm kind of like i'm not here for them <laughs> if but right. i have a private studio i don't have to deal with that anymore but right right for the so years and years I, I went and worked out at public gyms, um, so many people are just there to be on parade. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Like I, I also, I like the gym I go to, it's, part, it's at a resort here and it's more of a retirement community uh, on this beautiful island. And um, so it's like, nobody's really coming there with like, to look a certain way. Um, but like whenever I go back to Las Vegas to visit, I, I lived there for a long time. So I go back and forth to visit. And I go to, let's say, like a Lifetime Fitness, you know, really huge commercial gym. It's very mm -hmm. jarring to be there because it's it's literally like a beauty pageant. And I was telling my buddies, I'm like, it's it's like a beauty pageant at this place. It's like to me, it's like it's like they cut models. It's like model level people like just coming in and out of these places. It's it's just very different. You know, um, it's, I just think it's interesting. It's different, you know. You sound like you're describing Miami. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think some of these places, you know, L.A., Vegas, Miami, probably many New York City, you know, it, it's just different places kind of breed that mentality, you know. But I wanted to get in this kind of the lived in body you were talking about, because it's a term that I really have just come to learn, honestly. And I've heard it more and more. Explain a little bit more about that concept. Lived in body? Yeah, like, I mean, I mean, maybe you're using, I heard you say the term and maybe you've used it, but maybe you don't talk about it too much. It's more of like, I've heard more from like registered dietitians and people who are in the field talking about, hey, you know, you're okay how you are. This is the body that you live in. Oh. Type of thing. You know, yeah. and I just, that's what I meant by it. Sure, sure. Uh, it's it's the body acceptance or the health at every size. Yeah, movement. health right. at every size, lived in body. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yes. So the idea um, really is to find acceptance around your body as it is right now, and to treat it well and to treat it kindly. And you know, if you want, you know. You don't have to change yourself to be accepted or loved. Mm -hmm. I think it's at the baseline of the idea. And, um, you know, so many people are pushed because they're in a larger body. They don't get good medical care. Um, they get mm -hmm. marginalized. Uh, they have to buy a second airline ticket. There's a lot of stuff that happens to people in larger bodies that most of us who are privileged don't even think about. Uh, mm -hmm. I've had the luck of being both a larger person and not. So I've uh -huh. seen it angles and it's, um, 
it's kind of disheartening, uh, especially when now that I'm in a fitter body, some people, you know, elbow me in the ribs and will make some joke about somebody walking by. And I'm like, who do you think you are? Right. <laughs> Right. What are right. you saying that for? Don't be talking to me like that. But um, I don't know. I think it's just it's just a way to rethink the idea of being okay with ourselves right here and now. And us as service providers, as personal trainers, as spin instructors, yeah, you know, not forcing the weight issue and instead talking more about like how can we be healthier in our bodies right now? How can we honor what we need? Um, yeah. and that's really important, I think. That was interesting. I, I really, as I've started hearing this kind of phrase or term, it made me think about, see, I, I haven't had this struggle, but I think about some people, I mean, I think a lot of people maybe have experienced other people where like you knew somebody like, let's say in their twenties and they mm -hmm. were very athletic, very stereotypical, thin, athletic, uh, played sports like wow i mean they're just really like a specimen and then maybe 20 years later you see the person they look very different they've gained a lot of weight and how does that person um i'm trying to figure out how i want to say this how does that person come to grips with how they were then versus living in that body versus living in the body that they are now which was nothing like their maybe athletic prime that they were in um that's a good question because I kind of reversed that. <laughs> I did the opposite. <laughs> um, and I actually had to find a way to be okay with what I am now, which is sort of weird, right? Mm. Um, I have a few, a few people who are this way, and I think it's kind of natural. Like people have kids, they start relaxing a little mm. on their behaviors. They're no longer playing football because school's over and they didn't go to NFL. Right. Um, or they got injured or whatever the thing was, or maybe they, you know, just weren't going to do that. They just wanted to get through college. Um, it happens all the time. Uh, the people who really want to get that back, they got to get over it. <laughs> they <gotta> get, <laughs> because you're not going to have a coach yelling at you for two or three hours after school, four days a week. Yeah. Ever. Nobody has that much money for a personal trainer. Nobody has that much time. When you're 40 years old, you don't want anybody to do that to you. It's right. better to make small changes. Of course. And to, yeah, like not think that that is going to be okay for you when you're going to damage your joints and you might have a heart attack. Uh, yeah. You got to take it slow. So the acceptance is really a safety issue at that point. Um. Depending on the age, but I, I really think it's a safety thing after a while because that guy who hasn't been in the gym in 20 years and he's all of a sudden going to go in and try to do a chest press of 350 pounds. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I know no, we've no, got no, muscle no. memory, but you got to back <laughs> it off a little there. <laughs> or it's like the guys, you know, like they, they never, they haven't played pickup basketball in like forever. And all of a sudden they're like going to play full court basketball. And then they like destroy their legs, you know, they tear their Achilles like, you know, get a, a soft tissue injury. I'm like, you know, you have to ramp up to that, right? You just can't go out there and start shooting Jays like you used to and run full court when you haven't even, like, the last thing you ran to was, like, your car or something, you know? <laughs> it's like us when it was cold outside or something, you know? Yeah, and they wouldn't hear of it if you told them that their three-cheeseburger-a-week <laughs> habit has probably got to go down a couple of notches. I'm not saying zero, but, you know, it's like... yeah. You, you know, there's a balance here. You haven't met it in a while, and just putting in some healthier diet. Yeah, that's me. Oh, I'm not sure. I haven't changed anything here. Sorry about that. It sounded like Atari. <laughs> Atari? Yeah, listen, I used to play Atari. I'm okay with that. <laughs> it sounds like, um, <laughs> like <laughs> or yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's so many things that could, you know, it depends on the guy who comes to you, but let's say he's like a regular uh, going through the fast food place on the way home from work or for lunch. He hasn't gone walking in a long time, sedentary lifestyle, but he used to be a big football player. He was the quarterback. I mean, years and years of sitting at a desk and yeah. eating food 
that are just clogging your arteries. You, yeah, there's a whole mountain of things that you got to take one step at a time. <laughs> of course, so. I think this this uh the whole body acceptance thing. I don't know. I'm fascinated by it. Like I heard I heard this. Doesn't I mean it doesn't seem anything like groundbreaking, but it is something that I think is very serious for people is accepting where they're at. And I think people have a hard time with that because yeah. especially like in the order that I'm talking about is people remember, you know, playing beach volleyball or something in California and looking great in their mind and like, oh, their hair was flowing and everything was happening, you know, and then they just are different. They look completely different. And I think people yeah. struggle with accepting the version of who they are now. When they look at a picture, they they don't recognize themselves. They still see yeah. themselves as that other person, you know. So I think this applies. This is a great quote from I have a lovely meditation teacher named Helen. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, because I'm one of those who will ruminate, I'm in the past in my head a lot. Mm -hmm. And this happens to people who like really you know, they ruminate over the thing they were and all the things they did that made them what they are now. And they're upset about that. Abandon all hope of a better past. Mm. Because you cannot do anything about what you did five minutes ago any more than you can do anything about the Industrial Revolution. It's in the sure. same past. You can't touch it. You can't touch the pizza you had Saturday. You can't touch <laughs> the fact that you run on Monday. You just have to work with what you've got right now. It's all you got. So why not accept it? Fighting that is fighting with ghosts. Right. It makes a lot of so, sense. And I still I still think people do it all the time. <laughs> like with that, unfortunately. They can't help themselves. It's yeah. very ingrained in us to have this like critic sitting on our shoulder all the time yeah. judging. The worst thing in the world is our own critic. If you're looking for high-quality, zero-THC CBD products, palmorganics.com is your place. Go to the show notes and any episode of Dr. D's Social Network and put in the code Dr. D for 10% off all products. And, you know, but I want to ask you, because I'm, I'm curious about this, because this is a good discussion to me, because I don't always have these type of discussions if someone's like, say, morbidly obese, okay, is it is the acceptance that they're morbidly obese, or they accept, or or are they accepting that they they may not change that condition or where they're at? Both. Both. The first one is easier than the second one. To accept where you are right now, even though it is a bigger mountain than most people want to climb, to actually not only accept, but even appreciate where you are, that is hard to do. But to accept the fact that, that it might not look any different. Like you could be lifting weights for two years and put all this muscle on and change your function in the world. You could lower all these disease rates and the numbers, the blood lipids, everything looks great. But the mm -hmm. pant size hasn't changed. This is possible. I've seen it. Yeah. And accepting that is a big deal. You know, can you be healthy and in a larger body? Yeah, you can. I think people struggle with that, though. I think that's the struggle because I truly believe that people like changing your lipid profile and all those things. I think it's great. I don't think people care that much about that as opposed to their actual physical outside self. They think that all these things will contribute definitively to their looking very differently body-wise. Right. I don't think they accept those other things completely. I, I think they could, but I think it's just current society. I think it's very difficult for people to accept that. I mean, I think they could. I just... I think they think this comes with weight loss. This comes with weight loss. That comes with weight loss. And the reality is sometimes you're just going to look the same, but be much stronger, more durable, more stamina, whole thing. That's the first thing I say to people when we're doing our little intake, mm -hmm. um, because it's an interview between me and a new client. And if it's not going to work between us, we know that day. But it's like, you know, 
I, I start right off by telling them that, that you may not lose weight. You may not ever see the scale change and you just have to be okay with that. Am I gonna help you lose weight? No, no, I'm not. I'm gonna help you get fit and do all of these other things. If that's not what you're after, you're barking up the wrong trainer. <laughs> and that's <the> <laughs> I say that. They may not be hearing it, but it is what I tell them. <laughs> yeah. And I do remind them too. Because when they start talking about my thighs, my abs, oh, I really need this core exercise. My question is why? Why do you think you need core? Yeah, what do you why do they, what do they say? I mean, I, I can tell you what my clients say, but what do they say to you? Well, some of them will say, well, it's going to make my waist smaller. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. I'm like, it's going to stabilize your spine, you know? Yeah. And that's what core exercise is for. That doesn't and sound sexy to people. That's the problem. It doesn't sound sexy. <laughs> I've never sold sexy, and it works because people want the truth. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. I like yeah. to play kind of what people generally say. You know, it's like there's this hard reality and truth, to, not but reality that people, they just have a hard time coming to grips with that. You know, like... I, I do the same thing. All the I've had so many clients over many years, and and I think most of them that have been with me a long time, they understand. They go, you're not here to help me lose weight. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm like, honestly, that's not my job <laughs> to lose weight. Yeah, that's, that's a whole different deal. I'm like, we're here to move you regularly, exercise, change, you know, the things that you don't find sexy that's happening inside your body, get you stronger, feel better emotionally, socially. That's what we're doing here. And yeah. I think the people are more evolved about it. They get, they understand that. They go, okay, I'm not, and I think if you change your expectations of what training is, it becomes a much more enjoyable process than thinking, I haven't lost these five pounds with you. Why haven't I lost these five pounds? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and because I start from the get-go with no scale, no calipers, circumference mm -hmm. measurements, they already know that I'm coming from this place where I'm not even going to know what your numbers are. Right. That's, I mean, that's a big slap for a lot of people. They're like, I'm like, I, well, I'm, I'm done with you. I don't need to weigh you. I've got all your information. I'm going to do the research on the chronic conditions you have in your medications and make sure that the injury you had on your ankle last year isn't going to interfere with anything. And they're, the, the eyes bug out. They're like, you're not going <laughs> to pinch my fat. I heard about that, you know? Yeah. Most no. shaming thing I've ever been through are those damn fat calipers. You know Ugh. what's funny is I... I stopped doing that so many years ago, probably a good eight to 10 years ago. And um, mm -hmm. I just stopped, you know, as, as I have been in the business almost 20 years, I started thinking, this is not necessary. You know, if somebody comes in and they're in a larger body, they already know that. They, why do I need to tell them like that their body fat percentage is high? I'm sure they're fairly understand that it's not low. <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's, you know, it's kind of like, okay, let's just, you know, I want to know if you, there's orthopedic conditions going on, the medical issues going on that I, you know, you're on beta blockers, things of that nature. I do need to know that stuff, but I'm not so sure it's really important for me to know how much the person weighs and all that stuff. In fact, I would say all of my clients, yeah, I don't know how much any of my clients weigh, literally I have no clue. And what we never talk oh. about it because it's part of the culture. We, that's not what we focus on, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's really cool to hear. Um, it's nice to meet someone else who doesn't do that to people because I just feel like it, it has, then you have to center your conversation around the weigh-in. What did you eat? Your food journal, blah, blah, blah. You know, because really when you're talking about weight loss, we're talking about food. Yes. Or way yes. more cardio than anybody needs. Way then more you cardio can't, than anybody needs. I, I think you, yeah. you, uh, you don't have the amount of time to commit for that amount of cardio and exercise. It's just not possible for most people. Yeah. Yeah. We got to be real. No, 150 minutes a week of moderate or 75 vigorous for cardio. That is right. the minimum. That's all I recommend for anybody for health. And yeah. what you said is true. 
nobody finds that sexy, but I will tell you this. When I ask somebody who's in their 30s if their 75-year-old self is going to give a crap whether they look sexy <laughs> at 30, the answer is no. You know? You're going to regret yeah. on your deathbed that you didn't spend six hours a week on a treadmill? No. <laughs> Come on, man. Don't you just want to be healthy? Yeah, yes. have a good time, enjoy your lives. You know, uh, I, I try to focus with a lot with my clients primarily on, you know, obviously we're going to do our, our exercise progressions, movements. I want you to get stronger, want to overload, but also want to create a very positive mindset in their social, emotional well-being. That's a huge part of my training program is let's have accountability. Let's be good to each other. Let's care about each other. I want to know about your family. I, I want to grow together in a positive, meaningful way. And I think the difficult thing is for some people, they don't think that's training. They're like, well, I don't want that. I want, I want to lose weight. And I'm like, no, no, no. You want to get stronger mentally, physically, emotionally, socially. That's all part of training. If it's done well, all those things grow in a beautiful way. It just might not be that you're going to get back to that dress size you thought you were going to be at. I mean, but that's more of a food thing. You know, I'm not here for that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm for exercise. <laughs> yeah. I, let's, yeah. I think it's the expectation that people have. And so I think the whole concept of the body you're in is very interesting to me because I'm, I just keep hearing more about it. And then when you mentioned it, Christy, I said, oh, okay, this, more people are talking about this. Is this happening? Is there becoming more acceptance or are there more trainers who are trying to push this acceptance now with people? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've heard, you know, I, because I'm not actually in the fitness industry at large anymore, I've been in my own little world for a long time. And where I network now is more in the therapeutic community. So the people mm -hmm. I'm talking to are therapists and registered dietitians and doctors who mm -hmm. heard the whole stories that people are coming with. And so the stuff I hear probably isn't everybody, you know, but I'm hearing all of the, well, they pushed me too hard and they made me run when I told them I couldn't run or they made right. me jump when I was, you know, I'm a 300 pound woman and I shouldn't be jumping. Or <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Or, you know, she pushed me and I said I couldn't do it. And now I've sprained my ankle or, you know, I said, oh, here's a big one. Everybody talks to me when they come to me about the horror story of the trainer who doesn't believe somebody when they're in a larger body, when they say, this is hurting my back. Can we do something different? They're not being lazy. They're asking for a modification. Right. But some people who have always been fit and always been healthy have no idea that that's what this person's asking for. The bias that we come with to the table is everything. And leaving them helps get into their body and help them become more interoceptive, learning what's going on in there so that they believe their own bodies just like you're believing them. Yeah. That's huge. That That's trust, you know, instead yeah. of just going, no, push through it. You know, they don't <laughs> need that. They need you to believe them. <laughs> You know, it's, this is, I think, a kind of a telling short story here. But I, uh, on my podcast, I had uh, Dr. Dora Wolf on, and she's a licensed clinical psychologist. And it was a great episode. I'm really good. We got very deep into the psyche of people and the whole thing and trauma. And we were talking offline after the podcast. And, uh, and she was asking me a little about what I do and training with people. She's like, you seem like a really nice guy. Like, you're not, I just thought all trainers were like really mean, you know, they just <laughs> like yell at you. And I, you know what? I think part of that, I think when I was, what was this in the nineties or it was like early two thousands, that show, uh, when it started biggest loser, you remember that whole thing? That oh show is one of the worst things ever created in the history of TV for that. I know. And it, and it set our industry back big time. And I remember watching the first couple seasons. I was like, okay, I'll check this out. I was kind of naive about it early on. And I remember looking at my wife and I said, we have to stop watching this. And she said, why? I said, this is so unrealistic. 
And look, they're taking these morbidly obese people and they're doing the craziest things with them. This is so dangerous what they're doing. And they're yelling at them. They're screaming at them. They're doing box jumps. They're having to go through the desert, doing all this stuff that are so contraindicated. You would never do with anybody in that condition. And I said, we, as being in the industry, I can't be a part of this. I can't say that I watch this show, you know? Yeah. And I think those things are just really damning because in a lot of those contestants, they gain the weight back. They're very upset. And it's just a big blow for what we do. And, uh, yeah. and it's just what people think of us or what they think, oh, you're going to yell at me or you're going to push me until I throw up. Or, you know, yeah. you're going to do stuff that is just make me feel terrible about myself. And that makes me ashamed of you know, that, that we, sometimes people are still doing that. Don't we, we need to learn our lesson. You know? yeah. yeah, it's, it's really scary. Um, actually, that's a great thing that you just brought up because when, when I go through that intake process, I, I notice people are quite nervous with me first go around when we are having our conversation. And I have to assure them that the personality you have right now is going to remain this way. I don't become Jillian Michaels. And they all understand exactly what I'm talking about. But, but they know what you mean when you say that. Yeah. I mean, I don't yell at anybody unless they're about to hurt themselves or they're not <laughs> listening to me. Then it's like, oh, what are you doing? You know, but, yeah. but that's like, oh my God, I need to save you kind of a thing. Not, yeah. not oh, push harder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's synonymous with poor trainer behavior. Honestly, I would tell her that right to her face. I'd be like, yeah, I mean, you may have changed, but I'm just telling you, that was a very poor representation of what we do in our business. It's really bad. And I get it as TV and stuff like that, but that, but unfortunately, people are swayed by what they see. It is pop culture. And, you know, back then it was like Biggest Loser, and now it is social media. Social media is the new Cosmopolitan magazine. It is. It's, you know, I remember my wife telling me the other day, she was like, I used to read Cosmo and I couldn't read it anymore because it made me feel bad about myself. Yeah. A lot of this Instagram is doing that to people. Oh, yeah. Because they're, they're lining up right next to people who have lost all this weight and why can't you do that, fatty? Next to an ad for new, you know? <laughs> It's like they know exactly where to place the ad so that you'll buy more. Facebook is like that too. Like they see what you're searching for. So they start popping up all these ads that yeah. sell based on the fact that you're looking at somebody who's lost a bunch of weight. So yeah. they're, they're feeding into your needs to change yourself. We all have this like desire to do something different to ourselves, to change, to grow, yes. to learn more. But they hijack that need. And they steal a natural function of, you know, just being a human and to make money. It's awful. I, I don't watch television because it's, it's, it's <laughs> it, it always just does exactly what you talked about with that television show, Biggest Loser. I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. This is insane. They yeah, I had to stop watching. Oh, you look terrible. You need all of these products. You know? It was funny for me. I had to stop watching as a, as a professional for like, it didn't bother me as, you know, as my, my physical body. Again, I, I've had a different trajectory, but I could see how someone who maybe is watching that show and they are considered overweight, obese, and they're like, look what they did. I should do that. For me, it was a professional mm -hmm. practice issue. And like, hey, man, I, I can't be a part of saying I watch this as a professional. But I tell you things, you're right, the whole getting back to getting worse I don't think you've seen, we've seen anything yet. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the next thing is, is genetic modification. That's the next thing. Ugh. With gene drive technology. Have you heard of this, the gene drives? Yeah. It's crazy. So now, because of uh, things like CRISPR, and I tend to try to be well-versed on a lot of different things, um, but... So CRISPR, you know, allows gene editing to happen. And with gene drive technology, you can essentially proliferate a population, let's say, of animals. Uh, not Well, you can take away the disease out of animals. Let's say a mosquito has malaria. You insert this uh, gene drive into 
uh, a population of mosquitoes and it deletes the malaria basically um, gene out of the um, um, mosquitoes so it doesn't pass it to humans. So you basically can kill off the mosquito population. You can make an, a, you can make an population extinct with gene drive technology, literally, um, through as they uh, proliferate and you get more and more, you edit out that. So you can say like, oh, this will, the potential technology, my wraparound point is things like maybe cancer and different diseases potentially using to eradicate those things. But on the other hand is taking that for the enhancement element of it to say, okay, I want this human being to insert this so that they have um, uh, better physical capabilities out of the womb type of thing. So basically like um, editing humans from the beginning. Say, hey, this person may have a propensity to be in this lived in body, but we're going to change that in their in utero for them. There's going to be some science fiction stuff, I'm telling you. There's two things I have to say about that. I've never heard of that before, but one of them is World War II's Nazi Dr. Mengele. Mm-hmm. And that's thinking about like sewing twins together and doing all these crazy genetic studies. And I mean, that was madness. And that sounds a lot like very Frankenstein-esque behavior. Yeah. But the other one is that we're not all supposed to be alike. We're not all supposed to look Correct. alike. We're not all supposed to have symmetrical faces and perfect jaw bones. And we're not all supposed to be thin. We're not all supposed to be fat. There's a million shapes and sizes and colors, and that's what makes humans beautiful. And if right. you take that away, we're just going to be cloned robot ugly things. <laughs> and because we'll have no heart and no soul. And that is disgusting. <laughs> right. So it's, a, it's the whole ethical aspect of basically designer human beings, in a sense. Ugh. I know. I know. It's really, it's really this weird sword on both sides because on one hand there's this potential to eradicate really deadly diseases through the technology but on the other hand there's this potential to create designer people in a sense of like things like pro-nuclear trans uh, transference like uh, three parent babies and things I mean there's a lot of crazy stuff going on out there so it's like, okay, maybe good for one thing, but really devastating on the other thing for that. And and I think that, that kind of technology will get out into the wrong hands anyway, because people agree. Yeah, this of is course. very Stepford wise. <laughs> yeah, very Stepford. And there's, I mean, there's a huge community, global community that's very against it. And because it's almost, you're giving people, people have gotten to the point almost now where they're, ability to create things is on a level that is way beyond their wisdom and intelligence to control it in many ways. So I think like this is just the beginning. We're having this conversation 10, 15 years from now, Christy, you're going to have a designer human conversation. It's going to be very, a big part of it. So it's like social media is how we're looking, feeling algorithms to that cater to what you look at on the internet. And then the genetic conversation is coming. It's just, I keep up with a lot of this stuff in a sense, just I'd like to know what's going on, but I also like to be informed enough to make my own decision against it <laughs> as well. Because people are looking at this stuff. Clients are looking at it. They want to know, they want answers. Like, what is this all about? And things of that nature, you know? But it's kind of scary, honestly. Yes, it is. <laughs> You're like, no, I wish you hadn't told me all this stuff. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I love sci-fi as much as the next person, but it stays in the book and it's safe in there. You know what it's I mean? It's safe in there. Yeah, it's safe in there. It, there's a whole, we're now at the precipice of creating things that were once completely science fiction, that they're true life. And um, it, like you said, they get in the wrong hands and people start doing weird stuff uh, with it. So... Our conversation now is actually probably on a very lower level considering what it will become in the future. What if people have the option to go, I'm just going to design something of human that won't have to worry about all these other things and shapes and sizes, you know? Yeah. But there's just such a, it's such a loss. You know, people think they're going to fix things by making everyone the same, but... 
that doesn't fix things. You know, we are still human on the inside and we still have our emotions and we'll find a way to differentiate one person from the next and it will still cause problems. Maybe I think people, yeah, I think people want to be different. I don't think people all want to be the same. I mean, I live in Washington state and it's definitely a state where everybody generally wants to look very different. Everybody has different colors in their hair. I mean, look at me, I, you know, I have a blonde streak in my hair you know, black earrings. I want to look different. I don't want to look like somebody else type of thing, you know? And um, I think human beings want to express themselves and whatever version of that, that that means in their body, whether it's piercings or it's hair, or it's color or physical manifestations. I don't know. People have the desire to not be mimicked constantly. Sure. Yeah. So, it's interesting to me. The expression is children. If you're going to have a clone, have a baby. <laughs> right. You know. Exactly. Amazing. You know, I never get tired of these. I feel like, you know, from the moment I start a conversation with a person that I have no clue, I've never met before, it starts one way and it goes down this rabbit hole every single time in a different way. And that's the best thing about it is awesome. So thank you for going down that rabbit hole with me today, Christy. I appreciate that. Oh, no problem. It was it was fun to be in fantasy land for a little while. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have conversation. You know, these things are how we maintain our humanity in many ways. You know, we're we're talkers. We're oral history passers. We pass down things. We connect with each other this way in the best way, you know. Sure. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you feel that way. Well, I will be in touch with you, but please have a great rest of your day, okay? You too. Take All care. Right, thanks. Bye.